episode 59. In the meantime, Life became even worse for Harry within the confines of the castle, for Rita Skeeter had published her piece about the Triwizard Tournament, and it had turned out to be not so much a report on the tournament as a highly colored life story of Harry. Much of the front page had been given over to a picture of Harry. The article, continuing on pages 2, 6, and 7, had been all about Harry. The names of the Beaubatons and Durmstrang champions, misspelled, had been squashed into the last line of the article, and Cedric hadn't been mentioned at all. The article had appeared ten days ago, and Harry still got a sick, burning feeling of shame in his stomach every time he thought about it. Rita Skeeter had reported him saying an awful lot of things that he couldn't remember ever saying in his life, let alone in that broom cupboard. I suppose I get my strength from my parents. I know they'd be very proud of me if they could see me now. Yes, sometimes at night I still cry about them. I'm not ashamed to admit it. I know nothing will hurt me during the tournament because they're watching over me. But Rita Skeeter had gone even further than transforming his uhs into long, sickly sentences. She had interviewed other people about him, too. Harry has at last found love at Hogwarts. His close friend, Colin Creevy, says that Harry is rarely seen out of the company of one Hermione Granger, a stunningly pretty muggle-born girl who, like Harry, is one of the top students in the school. From the moment the article appeared, Harry had to endure people, Slytherins mainly, quoting it to him as he passed them and making sneering comments. What a hanky potter in case you start crying in transfiguration. Since when have you been one of the top students in the school, Potter? Or is this a school you and Longbottom have set up together? Hey, Harry? Yeah, that's right, Harry found himself shouting as he wheeled around in the corridor having had just about enough. I've just been crying my eyes out over my dead mum, and I'm off to do a bit more. No, it was just, you dropped your quill. It was Cho. Harry felt the color rising in his face. Oh, right. Sorry, he muttered, taking the quill back. Uh, good luck for Tuesday, she said. I really hope you do well. Which left Harry feeling extremely stupid. Hermione had come in for her fair share of unpleasantness, too, but she hadn't yet started yelling at innocent bystanders. In fact, Harry was full of admiration for the way she was handling the situation. Stunningly pretty! Her! Pansy Parkington had shrieked the first time she had come face to face with Hermione, after Rita's article had appeared. What was she judging against? A chipmunk! Ignore it, Hermione said in a dignified voice, holding her head in the air and stalking past the sniggering Slytherin girls as though she couldn't hear them. Just ignore it, Harry. But Harry couldn't ignore it. Ron hadn't spoken to him at all since he had told him about Snape's detentions. Harry had half hoped they would make things up during the two hours they were forced to pickle rats' brains in Snape's dungeon. 
But that had been the day Rita's article had appeared, which seemed to have confirmed Ron's belief that Harry was really enjoying all the attention. Hermione was furious with the pair of them. She went from one to the other, trying to force them to talk to each other. But Harry was adamant. He would talk to Ron again only if Ron admitted that Harry hadn't put his name in the Goblet of Fire and apologized for calling him a liar. I didn't start this, Harry said stubbornly. It's his problem. You miss him, Hermione said impatiently, and I know he misses you. Miss him, said Harry. I don't miss him. But this was a downright lie. Harry liked Hermione very much, but she just wasn't the same as Ron. There was much less laughter and a lot more hanging around in the library when Hermione was your best friend. Harry still hadn't mastered summoning charms. He seemed to have developed something of a block about them, and Hermione insisted that learning the theory would help. They consequently spent a lot of time poring over books during their lunchtimes. Victor Crumb was in the library an awful lot, too, and Harry wondered what he was up to. Was he studying, or was he looking for things to help him through the first task? Hermione often complained about Crumb being there, not that he ever bothered them, but because groups of giggling girls often turned up to spy on him from behind bookshelves, and Hermione found the noise distracting. He's not even good-looking, she muttered angrily, glaring at Crumb's sharp profile. They only like him because he's famous. They wouldn't look twice at him if he couldn't do that wonky fate thing. Runsky fate, said Harry through gritted teeth. Quite apart from liking to get Quidditch terms correct, it caused him another pang to imagine Ron's expression if he could have heard Hermione talking about wonky faints. It was a strange thing. But when you're dreading something and would give anything to slow down time, it has a disobliging habit of speeding up. The days until the first task seemed to slip by as though someone had fixed the clocks to work at double speed. Harry's feeling of barely controlled panic was with him wherever he went as ever-present as the snide comments about the Daily Prophet article. On the Saturday before the first task, all students in the third year and above were permitted to visit the village of Hogsmeade. Hermione told Harry that it would do him good to get away from the castle for a bit, and Harry didn't need much persuasion. What about Ron, though, he said. Don't you want to go with him? Oh, well, Hermione went slightly pink. I thought we'd meet might meet up with him in the three broomsticks. No, said Harry flatly. Oh, Harry, this is so stupid. I'll come, but I'm not meeting Ron, and I'm wearing my invisibility cloak. Oh, all right then, Hermione snapped, but I hate talking to you in that cloak. I never know if I'm looking at you or not. So Harry put on his invisibility cloak in the dormitory, went back downstairs, and together he and Hermione set off for Hogsmeade. Harry felt wonderfully free under the cloak. He watched other students walking past them as they entered the village, most of them sporting support Cedric Diggory badges. But no horrible remarks came his way for a change, and nobody was quoting that stupid article. 
People keep looking at me now, said Hermione grumpily as they came out of Honeyduke's sweet shop later, eating large, cream-filled chocolates. They think I'm talking to myself. Well, don't move your lips so much then. Oh, come on. Please, just take off your cloak for a bit. No one's going to bother you here. Oh, yeah, said Harry. Look behind you. Rita Skeeter and her photographer friend had just emerged from the Three Broomsticks pub. Talking in low voices, they passed right by Hermione without looking at her. Harry backed into the wall of Honeydukes to stop Rita Skeeter hitting him with her crocodile-skin handbag. When they were gone, Harry said, She's staying in the village. I bet she's coming to watch the first task. As he said it, his stomach flooded with a wave of molten panic. He didn't mention this. He and Hermione hadn't discussed what was coming in the first task much. He had the feeling she didn't want to think about it.